Call Steve Witherup. Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile. Hello? Steve, you there? I am, yes. All right, I'm gonna add. Uh, I'm gonna add Sarah. Unless you've started a career as a dancer in the last couple of weeks. Right. <laughs> no, no. But uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> All right. You sounded like Lou Holt saying "spoiler." By the way, I know that took me like eight <laughs> seconds to say "spoiler." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna call it. Hey. Hello. Okay, I'm going to merge the calls. Okay. Steve, you there? I am. Sarah? Yes. Hey. <clears throat> I told uh I told Steve that we were going to add uh you to this call unless he had become a dancer in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so needless to say you are still part of this call. Oh. <laughs> I mean, dancer to me is a really broad term. Anybody with the body, that's hey, what I like to say. True. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my business card then, with your permission. Thank you. <laughs> you have my permission and support, and I will be a reference if you need it. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> your call sounds a lot better. Good. Good, yeah. good, good. Um, well, obviously, we've got uh, someone on the phone named Sarah, so people know that, and and she is peripherally or uh, or fully involved in the the idea of dance so people have uh, picked up on those two things what uh like I, we talked about it a little bit before but what's the do you even have like a, a title that you would give yourself do you know like what would you tell people that you do yeah i um am the artistic director of a modern contemporary dance company called sarah my company called sarah council dance projects um i in our company we um create live performance when it's possible to be in person. I've been doing some dance film projects um, during COVID, but I also do a lot of work with residencies and workshops and a lot of um, dance education. So I, my other sort of hat or role is as a teaching artist. So I go into schools um, and now I'm delivering those things virtually uh, through my company, but also through several other dance education companies. Uh, additionally, I'm a gyrotonic instructor. So that's another sort of somatic movement practice that's similar to Pilates. Um, and I've been doing some of those things virtually also. You, it's, it's all related to dance or art in general, but you are very similar to me in that you have your hands in a lot of things at one time. Like yeah. there's so many different things that you just said in one paragraph. Uh, <laughs> How did how did you start with dance though? Well, I, and I actually don't know the answer to this. What's the progression um, that got you into it? This is a really funny slash embarrassing slash sweet story. Um, when I I kind of came to dance a little older, and by that is like eleven, and, and you know not three. Right. <laughs> a lot of people dancer stories, you know, they're starting at three years old. And in our little neighborhood, uh, somebody had put flyers in mailboxes and it kind of is embarrassing that at 10 or 11 I thought this but I kind of had this feeling that I was handpicked to do this thing <laughs> like they're inviting me to go to this dance studio and do this thing can so I can I just jump in for two yeah, seconds please. and just tell you that at some point <laughs> as a child I was picked in a mall to be like a suit model at JC Penney's nice and so for my whole childhood I was like well I, you know I was obviously a model so that's you know I had that like kind of thing too so i'm just joining you 
in yes. that feeling. Right. Um, yeah. So my, my little best friend and I started going to the studio and that kind of was the beginning, honestly. Um, but it, I reflect back and just, you know, giggle at how it felt so purposeful. Right. <laughs> and maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then I went to school. Then I actually, um, at 15, because I was from a really small town in Kentucky and the dance training wasn't um, great or it was a good start, but not, it wasn't very far to go with it. Um, I had an aunt who lived in Louisville, Kentucky, which was the biggest city, um, is the biggest city there. And I moved in with her at 15, three hours away from where my parents were to go to a performing arts high school, kind of like fame. And now I'm really dating myself, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I, I did uh, continue my education there. And then from there I went to, I became a, I went to college for dance, um, in, uh, Oklahoma, actually of all places. And that's where I met Chuck, my husband. Um, and then from there, we lived in DC for five years where I danced and then in New York for 10 and now in Charlotte. And I've been doing movement and dance based things throughout the whole, that whole time. That's really crazy. I, I didn't know that whole arc where, where'd you say the high school was? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. And then where was your small town? What was the it's Madisonville, Kentucky. It's in Western Kentucky. It's really tiny. Okay. Yeah. And how old were you when you went to the new school? I was only 15. So I now as a parent, I'm like, wow. That's wild. <laughs> that took a lot. Yeah, it really was. And I lived with my aunt the first year and then that was hard. <laughs> and so I lived with friends and their families, almost like an exchange student um, uh-huh. of my own creation. <laughs> uh, and um, it was crazy. And I, I like thank my parents for that because I know it was a hard decision and I'm not sure I could make it but it definitely formed the life I have now and the friendships I made during that time are still my friends where some of the you know in that smaller town I wasn't finding my tribe Uh really um and so it was hugely impactful for the direction of my life so is has dance been I know you said that you got the flyer in the mail or whatever did it (laughs) <laughs> did it did it immediately did something immediately click like I was meant to do this or did you find that feeling later I think it did sort of immediately click um and even watching dance you know I remember one of the most impactful performances I saw was Alvin Ailey um and they did a piece called Revelation which is one of their great works it still is in the company's rep I'm sure And I just got goosebumps in a way that, you know, in my spirit moved in a way I didn't even know how to put words to. And later I can identify that same feeling of movement of spirit as worship. And I didn't know that at the time, but it was this thing that just hooked me. And so um, I've always felt like a deep connection to watching dance and and performing. I haven't been performing for quite some time, um, but even just the creation of it is also just so um, almost spiritual for me in a sense, but definitely felt called to it in some kind of way. And I call it kind of, there's been many times in my life um, that I've gone through injury and lots of dancers and choreographers face this. And, you know, this, there's, it's a art form that requires a certain level of health in your body and that's not, you know, interested to see as I age how that's going to morph and change and how my connection stays, how I stay connected. But there's been many times I've wanted to quit or should feel like I should have quit because of different 
physical things going on in my life and just I haven't since sort of addiction almost you know for better or for worse it's like I'm in it you know so um yeah I know I'm asking all the questions because I I but I'm I'm like really fascinated by all of this and I know we're probably jumping the gun a little bit um and we can cut this out if you're not comfortable talking about it but for somebody who movement and specific movement is their whole life you how long ago 10 years ago was the first time it happened with the like it's not vertigo but for people that don't oh, know it MDDS. Yeah. yeah was that 10 years ago <laughs> the first time it happened yeah it was uh when i I was in New York then, so it was probably, I don't know exactly, um, because we took an anniversary trip on a boat, and that was the last time for that, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's been one of the many kind of weird body things that I've experienced, and um, I remember looking back on that, still pushing, you know, <clears throat> and uh, I wasn't performing at the time, so that was helpful, but being in rehearsal, creating movement, and later, my, some of the dancers I was working with, like, told me, that they had a hard time even looking at me because I was sort of shifting side to side the whole time. Yeah, for, <laughs> and I wasn't aware of it, or you know, at the time wasn't aware. Um, so for people yeah, that don't know, it's it's it like robs you oh, of your sorry. equilibrium. It like it is. Yeah, you always feel movement, internal sense of movement. So if you think about the idea of sea legs, it's like getting off the boat and having that for six to eight months or more. Yeah, and some you, people never get rid of it. You told me that you would you'd be standing still and it would feel like the, oh, yeah. the, the ground was like in waves going in waves. Yeah. That's so, uh, so like yeah. without going into, cause you've had a couple of different episodes with it, even since I've known yeah. you, but like without going into all the specifics of everything with that, have you, have you made that experience into a piece yet? Well, that's a great question. Um, no, not a piece that, I mean, I would say yes in that, whatever movement made in while experiencing that has the imprint of that. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but not um, like specifically in a, something that was like focused on that idea of that experience. Like but autobiographical or something. Yeah, no, not, not, not so explicitly, but I would say the movement that I was making during that time had a really different flair. It was much more bouncy <laughs> and fluid and like, you know, run on sentence rather than very specific accented movement, which is another one of the things I tend to do. Um, so it kind of did definitely, I remember having that thought that this is, this is really interesting and the choices I'm making are feeling different. And I was just kind of going with it. I mean, cause that's really the only way to cope with something like that is sort of surrender into it and just breathe with it. And, you know, trust that you're going to get through it cool. um yeah chuck was really helpful he's such a great support in that he's always the one telling me it's going to be okay we're going to get through this. right <laughs> yeah he's a good partner <laughs> so sarah i remember uh specifically i well i don't remember exactly what it, the the sermon was on but i remember i was preaching one time and within the i don't know the context but within that i listed I was like listing artistic expressions um, and there's the ones that you always go to, you know, you talk about musicians and, and painters and um, poets and things like that. And I remember within that list, I mentioned dancers or um, choreographers. And in the moment I kind of caught myself off guard and had the thought of, 
boy, they don't get mentioned near as much as those others. And then actually, I don't know if you remember this or not, but after service, you actually said just said something like, you know, thank you for the shout out that you don't <laughs> don't get that very often. And my question is, like, is it just in my limited perspective or um, maybe not with any kind of malicious intent or anything, but does the idea of d dance and movement kind of get pushed to the side a little bit when it comes to artistic expression? Do you find that to be the case? I do find that to be the case. And I do very much remember <laughs> that experience and being so like, wow, I can't believe he like actually said dance. <laughs> and it's so awesome that, that you had that thought in the moment when you said it, because I didn't know that part. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, I definitely find that to be true. Um, and I'm not really sure. I don't have a good answer for why that is. I know it's frustrating for us as a dance community because that also translates to funding. It's very difficult to um, find funding for dance or, you know, um, substantial, you know, something that's sustainable for a, a real growing dance community. Um, and so that's always been a point of frustration. Um, yeah, it's definitely sort of um, not the preeminent um, forms that you hear about or might think about. Um, and I wonder if it's something to do with some level of discomfort with it being a disembodied <laughs> culture. You know, maybe um, I know with, with modern contemporary dance, often <clears throat> people come to it with a feeling that it's um, elitist in some way, or maybe they just can't understand it, or there's something specific that they need to get, um, and it feels isolating or um, um, kind of insular into itself um, and not very open and inviting for people to come into. Um, and that's something that I have concern around, and I really um, hope that I can invite people to watch the work that I make with um, freedom so that there's not this expectation of quote unquote getting it while I, while I might come to the table with some things that I was thinking about or experimenting with or that just emerge on their own through the process of creating and I hope to be able to convey some of those things through the work it's not important to me that that is explicitly understood but rather that someone can come to the table and um be open and have an experience and um, re realize that for me that the um, exciting thing is that middle ground. I, I come with something and you come with your experience and then your process of watching, um, you get what you get, you know, and it, it's filtered through your life experience. And, and that's to me is where the art lies, is that exchange and that meeting in the middle. Um, so I didn't exactly <laughs> kind of went off on a tangent there, but I hope that that would make dance a more accessible um, art form to engage with. And then it might not always be the forgotten <laughs> uh, art form that's always either not mentioned or mentioned, you know, last. So I hope that yeah. answers a little bit. No, that's, yeah, no, it makes sense. I think it um, it is strange because is like you alluded to earlier it is the thing that everybody does all the time in right. one sense but yeah. yet it is the thing that we almost relate to the least and yeah was like so i was wondering like so so for the, the layman or or whatever you want to 
call it. Um, I think like there's this level of understanding, even though maybe someone can't write poetry like like what they're reading or somebody can't paint like the the art that they're looking at or um, they understand, in a sense, the tools that were used to make those. And so they understand that, OK, even though I can't create that poetry, I understand that you know, the process was that the poet was inspired and used these tools, these words to create this. With dance, like, I mean, I, I think most people don't understand the process of how you arrive at what you arrive at. Like, this is a very bad way to, to ask, in a long way, to ask this question, I guess. But um, there's this show that I watch sometimes where the sidekick kind of the running joke is he'll ask the guest, where do you get your ideas? Because mm. one, it's probably the worst question you could ever ask that no one could even possibly answer. But <laughs> with that being said, that's kind of my question. Because like with, again, with, with poetry, you have words with, with dance, like it feels random. Like, and so do, is there like this baseline of movement that you draw from? Do you begin with just, uh, I guess, walk us through a little bit of, of the process of creating what you create? Because I think part of the distance that people have with it sometimes is just, in fact, they, they both think I could do that, but yet I have no idea how to even begin to do that. So what I think I hear, I'm hearing you say is that like with poetry, there's a shared vocabulary that you understand how to use in terms of words and ideas. Is that fair to yes. say? But with dance, maybe what is the language of movement that people are drawing from when creating dance? And maybe that's something that feels a little more foreign. I wouldn't maybe not use the word random, but a little bit more foreign, foreign if you ha don't have experience with dance movement vocabulary. Is that sort of the question? Yes, because yeah, like how the ideas yes. might form. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because is the is the idea as simple? And I know it's not the case, but is it as simple as I think I'll move my arm this way? It can be. I mean, it really can be. You know, there's a whole there's there's so many types of dance forms, and I think that um, so a small history of dance, and and of course this is of concert dance, not necessarily like um, social dance forms and, and, and indigenous dance forms. There's so many, so much dance that has pre-existed the um, forms like ballet that, you know, came into uh, um, especially American culture. But, um, you know, there's really technical forms like ballet and then um, modern contemporary dance was originally sort of a reaction away from ballet. We're not going to be um, so, um, like uh, pulling away from gravity and becoming this fantasy. We're going to deal, you know, we're going to um, get onto the floor. We're going to be earthy and into gravity and we're going to deal with like social issues and what's really, and, and it was very theatrical in a sense, but it was um, trying to distinguish itself from ballet as a form. And then in the seventies, there was a postmodern era where I, they wanted to get rid of all of these forms altogether. And it was very much more about, let me just move my arm in space. And we often refer to that as pedestrian movement or just the movement of the body, the natural movement of the body. And so it be, you know, I think it's also followed postmodern visual art and other art that was going on at the time. So it was an exploration of just what you just said, like very um, 
uh, task-oriented sort of um, uh, pedestrian, again, I said, um, form. And I think for me personally, um, I definitely uh, come from a modern contemporary dance background, but that also includes, that has become a catch-all for all kinds of movement that are sort of synthesized um, through the bodies of the choreographers, all your, your past experiences. And so um, in terms of the types of movement that I create, I'm, I'm sure I'm a, a patchwork of all the influences and the movement styles that I've done in my lifetime, but also, um, I've started, well, for a while I was really making um, very specific sort of issue-based work because um, I found that that was created more interest for me to like delve into something very specific. Like I have some roots in Appalachia. So really looking at Kentucky and Appalachian culture and sort of created a piece out of that. And I was really um, and, and, and uh, engaged and interested in issues of uh, social justice issues like like human trafficking. And I did a whole work around that one time. And then I started to move sort of away from some of these um, more specific uh, issue-based ideas. And I just really wanted to start to understand and listen to the wisdom that was in my own body. And so going into the studio and starting with movement and then letting the work emerge from the movement, letting the meaning emerge from the wisdom and the history of my own physical body. And all of us hold that history of, the, of your life in your body. And that's a little bit about uh, some, some of the things um, uh, with the film that is part of the um, Linton series um, came out of that idea of just um, listening and, and creating from movement rather than letting the movement be a tool for an idea, the, the idea comes from the movement itself. Um, that's that really too? great. No, that's <laughs> no. I think that's I think that's awesome. I think one of the yeah. things to go back to what Steve was asking um, and what you just brilliantly answered. But I think one of the reasons that it's forgotten or at least pushed to the side is because it's not as much of a uh, part of the modern consciousness as the other art forms. So yeah. if you don't know anything about art you have some kind of understanding of Picasso or Van Gogh or whatever. You have some, some knowledge of the form itself. Um, music, obviously you've got, you've, you can track the history of music, but for, yeah. for me, that little progression that you just gave the history that you just gave of dance, that's the first time I've heard any of that. You know, I could, I, yeah. it makes sense that it follows the sort of path of other forms, but uh, you know, that's not a part of, so, for instance, if I listen to music, I can hear the influences of the history of music in this new modern form or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, he's he's ripping off Stevie Wonder there. Or, oh, that's a <laughs> real, like, classical movement that they just did with the chord progression. But if I watch some dance piece, I can be like, I guess it's ballet because they're wearing slippers. I don't know. Like I have, I have <laughs> yeah. no no clue. But I'm I'm assuming that when you watch a dance piece or you make a dance piece, you can look at it and say, oh, they were heavily influenced by this. And you mentioned a piece early on that was like the thing that was really formative for you or that really sparked yeah, a love of dance for yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like we don't have any of those kind of points of reference. We don't have any of those anchors um, yeah. to kind of give shape to it. Absolutely. And I do think, though, the one thing that we all do share is a body, 
you know, and I think even just watching a body in space, it has inherent meaning. And, um, you know, there's that idea of mirror neurons that as you watch someone physically do something, the part of your brain that would do that for you lights up. So there's automatically kinesthetic empathy that happens when watching a body's moving. So I think um, there's power in that. And if I feel like if people have the freedom to let go of the need to decode and just experience, I think there's there's a lot to be explored just in that idea. Yeah, I think I think people need to understand that, well this might be the wrong way to say it but i think people maybe need to understand it more in the through the lens of movement than just this more restrictive word that you know dance like yeah do you know um ido portal it's Mm-mm. i think it's ido is how his first name but he's really big within the whole natural movement um movement i guess that is kind of growing um it's not necessarily dance related but just the whole idea of like um you know animal movement and just more primitive movements that we have lost as a species um and i think you would really love work because it kind of it is it's very inspiring as it brings you back to like to use your words it gives us a an enlarged shared vocabulary then when it comes to the art form of dance when we understand like again repeating what you said that we do all have this shared experience this body that is in constant motion that for whatever reason we have learned to limit in the way that it does move and express itself um so it's been really interesting i'm doing um these workshop series uh, called Dancing the Poem. And the ones that I've done for adults, I've done one, another one called Embodied um, Poetry, I think it was. Um, but people come and it's a Zoom workshop. Um, and basically we start with words because words are really generative for movement, especially poetry because it's so image-based and sort of emotional and sometimes open and abstract. It's not a linear narrative. It can hold a lot, you know. Um, and people will choose words that feel um, evocative to them for some reason and then write about it and then create some movement based off of those ideas and then get into small groups and teach it to each other. And it's just been transformative to see how people engage that way and the power of the creative process. And I would add the power of the shared creative process it's beautiful. And I mean, I've had that like people talking about, I've been depressed and this is the first time I could feel my body again. And these are not like quote unquote dancers. These are just people with the body (laughs) that, that, that that are going to take the the collective risk, you know, no risk, no reward, the collective risk of moving in these spaces. They're not sure about, but yet doing it together and, you know, having these really beautiful moments um, of connection and, it's been one of the highlights of this year for me because it's my year has been so incredibly different. Everybody's year has been, you know, but with a form that is about being in close proximity to each other <laughs> uh, and that it's um, been crazy for us dancer people, but um, it's amazing too, just to see that even in zoom, I think when you come with that intention of this collective risk and this um agreed like safe space for vulnerability which i don't know how why how that happens in only an hour and a half with people from all over the world but it has 
um, it's been beautiful. I, I think it's a lot of power um, in shared movement, and um, I'd love to see that kind of grow. I just I just had an experience uh, in the last two hours um, with this that that when you were talking about it, sort of jogged my memory. You talk about the risk of of movement and the kind of vulnerability of of doing that, and almost like uh, you know, for people that are novices or not dancers just are simply people with bodies that kind of risk doing these things that it opens or unlocks something in them. I, I sat at yeah. lunch, uh, two tables over, I guess, 10 feet away or whatever from, uh, two like construction worker guys, like, you know, uh, just very typical, like Southern dudes, you know, and mm-hmm. almost, and it, it's, I know this is like a specifically a masculine thing, but like, almost no movement, like very rigid, very like, you know, if if those guys, uh, were forced to hug each other, it'd be the most awkward thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and then I'm, and then I leave there or whatever. And I, I I even noticed it when I was at lunch, probably because I was thinking about this interview. Um, but then as I was driving home, there was a guy that was running, um, kind of running more like jogging, walking, whatever, but had headphones on and was like fully dancing, like, like (laughs) whatever he was listening to, like complete and utter freedom of movement, just like wildly, you know? And it wasn't like he was a crazy person. He was just working out or running or whatever. And, um, it just struck me as like, that guy is, he's, it's probably like therapy for him to be able to do that. It's probably some kind of release for him and like how much like how how useful that would be if you could be free enough to do that because I'm (laughs) I'm more construction worker in this uh you know in this example but it just I don't know that that struck me I guess in light of what we were going to be talking about what we're talking about now yeah so much is communicated through our bodies you know we all know that there's so much i don't know what the stats are but like in terms of body language what we actually say and and how we say it and how our body responds and what we're saying it's really interesting just imagining those scenarios like there's it's there's so much that's said just in those ideas you know and even the joy that i felt imagining the person with freedom like moving with freedom totally um it's interesting I have no yeah. idea if this is true, but I would guess that it's the oldest uh, art form. I mean, it has to predate language. Yeah. You know. I don't know if that's true either, but I would guess that it's true, and I feel like I should know that. <laughs> well, I will, we'll just claim I will it. go research that right when we're done. I mean, Let the fact checkers deal with it. Like primitive man uh, moving yeah. around in caves and, you know, probably at least coincided with cave paintings. Yeah. Well, I'm reading our, um, in the book club, the neighborhood book club that I'm in, we're reading, oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> it has the word, the it has the word cowboys in it. And I just can't <laughs> Saving the gospel from the cowboys. That's or it. Something like something that. Something like that. Richard Twist is the author, I believe. Richard, yeah. Um, and, you know, the basic premise of it is talking about like, um, a Christian expression that includes native heritage that isn't whitewashed and westernized and, and includes some of the beautiful spiritual expressions of 
um, Native American heritage and movement and dance is a big part of that, you know? And so that just really has, that really struck out to me, obviously, as a dancer and choreographer as in reading it, but that um, embodied experience of worship, you know? And I think uh, as a Western culture, we're really disembodied. However, I know the tradition you guys came out of is a little bit more physical than a lot of other expressions. Yeah, when you no, when you big. said that, that was probably my earliest experiences with, you know, although it wouldn't have been dance, I guess there are were like praise dancers, but like that wasn't me. But like that right. would be the space where, you know, otherwise buttoned up kind of people would really let loose, you know, yeah. sprinting down aisles and jumping and spinning and like, yeah. to like maybe not total, but certainly way more free and like wild experiences. So yeah, that, that part of it is familiar to me. Well, yeah. Yeah. But even with that being true, there's still, that's such a small isolated part of the, you know, the Christian population. And, and even within that, then like if, if people who grew up in that, those types of traditions, if they're honest, there was as much cynicism and, you know, jesting as, uh, you know, again, like, oh, there's the flag wavers or the dancers, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Of but, course, yeah. As I was thinking about that, and I'm not trying to make myself feel like or look like some sort of, you know, enlightened, in-touch person or whatever, but I was actually having that thought as I was thinking about this conversation, and I just, I couldn't stop crying because, like, how could we do that and strip that form from the spiritual expression. Think about what we've done with that. Um, yeah. It's like, what could be a more incarnated expression of Absolutely. worship than bringing music and movement and, you know, spirit and earth together to offer it back in this poetic, literally embodied form. And, you know, you, you go outside of the Christian tradition or whatever, and it's like, you can just picture the, the campfires at the end of the day for these ancient tribes and, and these yeah. just joyful spiritual expressions going on. And like, why would we ever give that up and tuck it away in a closet and trade that for what stuffiness or, or yeah. just lack of incarnational worship, I guess. Yeah. Those are really great questions. And I, in my mind, what comes up and I, this is not a studied opinion, but I feel like, you know, purity culture and like fear of the body uh, might, must have something to do with some of that. Um, yeah. But also I think just when I was talking this week that early on as a dancer, so early on as a dancer and when I sort of ended up um, being, um, <laughs> I don't have a great way to say this, uh, like steeped in Christian subculture rather that I won't say become a Christian because I don't think that was like, it was synonymous at that time, but there in that time, <laughs> I was definitely more in a Christian conservative reformed subculture kind of space. Um, and I felt really conflicted and confused about how to be a dancer in that space. And I had an older Baptist preacher tell me basically if I was a Christian, I wouldn't be a dancer. And so I've definitely um, struggled with 
with that same idea of like how to be fully um, myself, what I felt like I was called to honoring my body and still like fit into this mold that was being given to me. Um, and also like how to be an honest, honest as an artist and fit into this mold being given to me. <laughs> um, and I think at some point, you know, that container just didn't hold me or, or in life, not just me, life. It didn't hold pain. It didn't hold the fullness of life. And so for me, my experience, and eventually I, it broke and I was able to like move into what feels like a healthier place for me to be spiritually and artistically. Um, but yeah, those, that restriction of movement is definitely something I've felt from the beginning of my, like being a Christian and, uh, you know, a dancer, a choreographer. So you sent out a piece or um, Joseph will send out an, an email with a uh, like two to three minute video of a piece that that you did. And I mean, one, I'm not just obviously I don't have to say this, but I just really enjoyed it. I just thought it was fantastic. Thank you. Um, I wonder if you could maybe help out those who will be watching it then. Like, for example, I know, and I agree with you completely, like the, you know, so much of the art happens when the, the artist and the, and the viewer meet. Um, and so that the viewer brings their own unique experiences to that piece. And so, of course, there's not a single message that is being communicated or received as um, a diverse group of people interact with any artistic piece, but especially maybe one such as dance that has a little bit more, even more uh, wiggle room of interpretation. Sure. But, but all that being said, let's assume that 90% of the people that, that watch your video are not even novices, like whatever would be before that. I was wondering if you could help with interpreting it in a, in a small way, like pretend that you are simply viewing it in your mind for the first time like what are you noticing like what are some of the things that that jump out to you not necessarily the whole message like i want to hear your specific um thoughts on the piece at large but like this is more of just help the people who are watching it to notice some things i guess does that sure. make sense at all yeah um yes so um the work is a small, I actually came out the product of a class I just took, which was a screen dance class. <laughs> um, it wasn't for credit. It was just for myself. Um, and so it's um, an experiment really for me to be playing with that, the form of screen dance. So being making sort of dance film. Um, and so it's, I feel I want to, present it as an offering with humility because I'm new at this and um, you know I'm excited about the potential of what it offers and especially right now with COVID where I can't be with a bunch of dancers in a studio you know so it gives me a, a space for some expression during this time um, so that's sort of the context of where how it came to be um, and I think that it, it was like I said earlier, I really started just following my curiosity first to see what would emerge. I didn't come to it with a, this is what I'm going to make a thing about this, you know, it was no about at the beginning. I sort of just started to 
follow ideas and curiosity. Um, and I feel like what emerged was what I'm going through. And a lot of, I feel like it reflects on our collective experience of isolation during this time. So for me, there's a lot of feelings of isolation, um, of, of sort of um, grief and frustration. And um, maybe there's a lot of places where I was really interested visually in textural elements, repeated pattern and looking into something closely because that's not something that you can do on a stage. So that the added aspect of being able to direct the gaze in a really specific way and go intimately inside of something um, was something I was interested in visually with the work. So there's a lot of that, but I think that reflects also on the fact that in, a t in this time I found myself being restricted physically and going inward to find a sense of space and freedom. So I think that's sort of an interesting play that that's what I was doing visually also. Also, there's, I feel like in, somehow inside of it, there's a, um, a reflection on woundedness and mortality. Um, and of course, I don't, you know, these are, there are so many things that I, I'm chewing on and thinking about and journaling and I feel like are bubbling up and coming out in the work, but it is by no means a linear narrative arc that is meant to portray a story. So it's much more about just kind of um, having these ideas maybe wash over you as a viewer watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I when I sort of wrote in the reflections about the work that I really encourage people to enjoy the feeling of freedom and not needing to have an expectation of, of being able of needing to just decode like I'm going to figure this thing out <laughs> you know right. but rather come to it with openness and and um and just see what what happens in your body when you watch it what emotions do you feel so I think more than like figuring out what it what it um uh what maybe I was trying to say in any kind of explicit way like notice connect to your own sensation as you watch it and what is happening in you as you watch this thing. And that's along with, you know, I, that's what I was doing while I was making it. So that what you find out after that, uh, after watching it with that intention, I think is what it means. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I understand that. And you're right. You know, the beauty is not in the dissection of the art and, you know, and I definitely don't think that that's, um, you know, always a healthy exercise. Um, but I think, yeah, the most important thing is, is giving, uh, giving them the freedom, the viewer, the freedom. And, and the, it's almost like that in and of itself is the tool you are handing them the tool yeah, of, the, of, right. of the freedom to interpret and feel and experience. And I trust um, you with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think people need to hear that too, that like, that's exciting to me. I trust it, whatever you bring to it. I in, like, I, you know, any type of time you are um, giving, like giving of yourself in an artistic way, there's a, there's a vulnerability. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I find for myself personally, as an artist, as I delve into spaces that are maybe more abstract or maybe are coming from a deeper place within me, it's even more vulnerable. If I'm going to come, I'm making this piece about this thing and I know really what it's about and I can tell you exactly. And, you know, and it's super clear and it's very much 
you know, about uh, has a lot of aboutness to it. I feel like that is a is less vulnerable place because I could, it's it maybe has less of me in it, you know, somehow. Um, so, but I also say am saying that I'm excited to offer this up in vulnerability and humility, and I trust you with it and whatever you get from it is awesome and exciting. And I can't wait to maybe even hear what those things are. Yeah. I thought that was a really disarming thing that you sent in the, in the little note with the email, because even for me, you know, there's a little bit of like, uh, tiptoeing into this cause I don't have any experience with dance. There's nothing about, uh, you know, I, I have no clue how to really watch it. This is, the stupidest way of, of saying it, but like watch it smartly, like to like, Oh, I want to be in on this. I want to know what's happening. And so, uh, before watching it, you just saying it like, throw all that aside. Who cares about yeah. any of that? <laughs> just like be open and just right. allow yourself Life's to just be just present with yeah. some. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was, was really, um, really cool that you said that. I'm glad that was helpful. Um, One of the things I'd love to hear you talk more about, I guess, is like I remember I, – and it was just one of the things that you wrote um, that you sent along with the piece, and I really do think that it pertains to what you did visually um, as well. But I remember uh, – it's been several years ago or whatever. I was reading in preparation for um, – uh, must have been an Easter sermon or something – but when Jesus appeared to his disciples in the in the room and, you know, when Thomas doubted, he told he invited Thomas to touch the, yeah. the place where the nails uh, pierced his body and the scars in the side. And, you know, for so long, I mean, I, I had just read that and like maybe not uh, consciously thought this, but like, OK, it was more of a, this idea of proof, like, see, I, I did this thing. This is, I'm trying to prove the reality of this. But several years ago as I was reading that, it just struck me like, wait a minute. The resurrected Jesus has wounds. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? And that was this question that, like, just chewed or ate at me for, for uh, such a while after that. And I'd love to hear your, your exploration of that thought. Sure. Yeah. Um... So one of the, um, the last piece that I made was called A History of Dirt. And the idea was that our bodies hold, our, hold so much information and intelligence and emotional history and the history of what's happened to us, the history of our family, the history of our um, communities and cities and nation. It's just um, this web that we're in. And I found that to be really um, interesting. And it also coincided with me doing um, some physical work within something called myofascial release, which works with your fascia and, and truly like your <laughs> emotional, your emotions are bound up in your physical tissue or the cortisol that happened during a traumatic event can be released through some of this work. And it's real intense. Um, so I, that would just pique my imagination and my curiosity. Um, and then I know that sounds like it's not related, but it definitely is. <laughs> um, I heard about the idea of kintsukuri, which is that um, um, method of, of mending broken pottery by using gold leaf. 
And as a philosophical idea, it's the idea that our life history and our wounds and our the brokenness that has happened in our life matters, and it, it creates who we are, and we are more beautiful for having been broken. And that is the idea that I really took away from that, that, that Jesus's wounds um, mattered. And it, it wasn't something to like, oh, you're healed and, and they're, they're gone. But no, the wounds mattered and he was more beautiful for having been broken. And, and one of the things I was reflecting on in that writing was that, you know, we all know the idea of by his wounds, we are healed. But I felt in a personal way, you know, the woundedness in my life has been part of my own healing and growth and, and deepening um, my experience as a human and an artist. And so um, that has been by and large, that idea of the history held in my body and how woundedness um, has shaped me and um, deepened my experience of life um, and art in artistic expressions, I think that that's a guiding thread through the work that I've been exploring um, most recently. That's really beautiful, Sarah. Super profound. Thank you. Yeah, the 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 artist so often does such a good job of of going into the wound producing elements. You know, um, like well, I mean, because for example, Jesus, like. To me, part of what that means is is that he didn't bypass the suffering. Right. Yeah. You know, he didn't he didn't try to, um, you know, just outthink it or or you know run from it. I mean, he knew that the true resurrection, the the, the true beauty on the other side, that had to go right through the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think some of the best artists they go to the places that most people maybe don't want to go and on the other side of that they bring an expression that if done well can you know kind of bring some healing to those wounds because the goal i guess is is that just like with jesus that those wounds become scars and not remain open wounds yeah um and yeah and and i i just think that artists went doing what good work can really help with that process it requires honesty you know yeah mm-hmm. and i think that when we were sort of speaking earlier that's why my container had to break open you know because it wasn't honest <laughs> yeah. you know you can't have and this is trite sounds trite but you can't have resurrection without you know um good friday right like you have the pain is part of the healing or i don't know if that doesn't sound quite right but um but yeah, I, I feel like, especially, I mean, we all have interacted with things that feel shallow and they feel shallow because they're not honest and they don't reflect true life. And I feel like that's really a problem in Christian expression sometimes, or, and I don't even like to label things. I don't label myself as a Christian artist. I'm a, you know, a choreographer, a mover, a body, a dancer, and I happen to love Christ, you know, uh, but I don't want to feel like things need to be labeled you know the idea of sacred secular seems ridiculous to me and um it's all god's world and yeah um, the lack the lack of that honesty can go both ways too right like for example you can you see some artists who are just like okay you're just trying to be dark but i know that you're (laughs) i know that you're watching um you listen to taylor swift do not lie yes you are blasting (laughs) taylor swift on the ride here and so like 
that is just as disingenuous. So it's like just sometimes an honest expression, hopefully, is out of these places of overabundance of, of happiness and joy and, yeah. and um, things like that as well. Um, but yeah, sure. dishonesty is dishonesty in whatever form it, it shows itself. Yeah. And of course, not every piece reflects every part of life. Everything we make, you know, has different, can be, can express different things at different times. And as we mature as humans, like our understanding of our experience changes and shifts to be maybe more full, you know, mm-hmm. but. This has been really great. I really like, I feel like we could keep doing this forever. In fact, I think Steve will probably put this on the working title feed too, just because of how specific it was to dance and we have never had a dancer. So um, I, uh, I just really, I really appreciate um, like just how open you were in, in letting people who are not, you know, people who probably have much of a experience or history with dance, watch your piece that you've made. You know, it's like giving something precious of yours out to, people that, you know, may not know what to do with it. So that I appreciate that. Yeah. And then all of the thoughts um, are just so, I mean, you talk about there not being a sacred secular thing, everything that you've been talking about, embodiment and movement, and freedom, and all of these, I don't know, just it all rings so very true. And oh, um, I appreciate you, uh, you bringing it to us. You're just such a wise person and somebody that I look up to and respect and love to learn oh, from. Thanks. And so thank you for sharing that with uh, the rest of the folks that are listening. Well, thank you so much for letting me have the opportunity to be challenged too, to be able to um, think about how to open up the work and invite people in. And um, I, it's been awesome to be able to think about it and I'm glad to have the opportunity. Steve, you want to say anything at the end? Any tags? Any meaningful last little thing? <laughs> well, not to pat myself on the back, but well, and don't don't put this in. Oh, I'm going but, to. Um, I keep but, forgetting we can edit things. I'm like, <laughs> yes, awesome. Please, oh, please do liberally. <laughs> no, if you please, God, don't let ever the don't let the unedited versions ever go out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Uh, what was it? Oh, but I had specifically suggested that we talk to you on the working title podcast. Um, before we kind of been have been on sabbatical, so (laughs) yeah. Um, Oh, I love I've loved all the stuff that you guys put out. We, I mean, I know you feel like nobody listens, but me and Chuck do so, and we love you guys. (laughs) And I just want to say that, um, you know, you neighborhood. And as weird of all the expressions that we've had this year and whatever else, I mean, has totally been a home for us. And in terms of like a container that can hold a whole human, I feel like that is what neighborhood is creating this spacious um, place for us to be ourselves and to ask questions in community with others. And um, there, I don't have, you know, some of the conflicts that maybe didn't need to even be conflict <laughs> are no longer there because I don't, I feel that there's enough space for all of the things, you know, and I appreciate that so, so much. We love you guys. And, um, 
you know, have loved being a part of neighborhood and can't wait to till we can meet again in person and maybe even dance together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the that's the next layer of the challenge, right? Yeah. What, you, what you guys don't know is that I've been dancing this whole time. Really, it's hard. I know it. I know you have. <laughs> uh, I think we need we need drums and a campfire, though. I think that would be so. I, that book, man. I makes me really want to like go to some of these, like find a, some kind of uh, native service or even not a Christian service, even just a, any kind of experience. I mean, we lived in Oklahoma for during college, and and Chuck was there longer than that, and there was a, a big Native American um, community there but I was too busy with school at the time. So yeah, um, two yeah. things, two things that I didn't say during it. Number one, when Steve said, uh, have you ever heard of somebody named Ido or Ido or whatever? I, and it was in relation to dance and movement. I wanted to say, have you guys, <laughs> have you guys ever heard of, uh, <laughs> have you guys ever heard of T-Pain? And uh, <laughs> I was going to talk about my history with dance through the lens of uh, homecoming dances and butt shaking, um, but I, 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 I wish you would have. <laughs> I, I refrained. And then the other thing I want to say, which All is, dance is valid. true, true. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I want to say was, uh, I, I realized just talking about like, uh, dancing around campfires and whatever. I had this weird experience recently with worship where I haven't listened to worship music in a year or more because, uh, the, the group that I actually, can tolerate their music uh <laughs> like ended up being like huge trumpers and oh. it totally like uh, it no. just totally made yeah. the like it clouded the whole thing is like i just couldn't do it it found it just really made hard. it really vacuous and weird to me um but i had an experience the other day driving back um from picking up dinner and somebody had sent me uh a worship album and i just put the first track on and it was a live record and you could hear the voices in the room, um, singing mm -hmm. and, cool. and it was, uh, it was a really diverse group. And I just had like this first experience probably in all of the quarantine of like releasing, like just singing oh, loud, yeah. praying out loud, yeah. loud, um, all of that stuff. And I'd never heard the song before. So I was trying to figure like, think about it later on, not after it, like not right when it was happening. And the thing that I realized, cause I talked to Ricky about it and I was like, um, is that your spiritual director? Yeah. Well, I realized okay, I, yeah. I didn't, I, I couldn't tell you one word of the music. It had nothing like almost nothing to do with that. And it reminded me of like how tied I've been to, um, to playing drums in worship because mm. it is this really physical embodied thing. Like you are the person that's making the beats that the music rides on, you know? And so, yeah. uh, it just, it just made me recognize how that the words of what we're singing in worship spaces are almost never the point. It is the movement of it. Like it is the singing it is the yeah. like physicality of that experience yeah. and hearing other voices so cool. and whatever that is the, of like, that's where the juice is. And I, I was thinking about it when we were talking, Steve, because you've even said that about going up to CFA, you know, like, and hearing that during is that the uh, church in Concord. Church? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, um, um, I forgot what it's called. What's the denomination? 
assemblies of God. Assemblies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being back in a worship service or whatever and, and hearing the voices and like being moved to emotion, you know, from that. But anyway, that mm. I, it didn't really fit, but I wanted to at least say it. I have a strange question for you guys. Um, and also, I hope I wasn't talking over anybody. Sometimes I like kind of make sounds while I'm listening, like, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, do that thing that we do. I tried to cut that off, so hopefully that was okay. Um, no, you're the focal point of it. So, yeah, you don't have to okay. apologize at all. I hope it was all right. Um, no, it was great. I, Super, I'm before you ask, good. side yeah. note, I just sent you uh, one video from that. I think okay. you really like that Edo Portal. Yeah, I'm super interested to learn I'll about it. Thank you, you for sending that. Two yeah. good, like, introductory type video things. Okay, so this is going to get in the woo, the woo woo weeds. So hopefully you're here for it. <laughs> this question. You know that we are. Okay. <laughs> um, and especially with your backgrounds, this might, you know, you might be the very people to ask this question to. I am curious. What your physical, ex, what your physical embodied experience of tongues is? Go. <laughs> Steve, do you want your first? That's not too to... vulnerable to ask. I mean, or if you can put words to it, maybe you can't. No, like, are you? And you know, can you talk about all the the million tributaries? But like, are you asking like in a specific way like um what is like do you practice or well i guess i'm just, making an assumption that coming out of your, your tradition that you have had that experience but maybe that that's not um i mean and whatever that i mean that probably means a lot of things to different people are you asking um, specifically what what it is what the feeling and sensation the embodied like what the well, let me, experience yeah, let is me, let me tell you what i my thoughts are and then the, okay so um, I have a practice that I think is probably like tongues, but who really knows, you know, but it's a feeling of praying without words, right? Of, of lifting my heart to God and that, that there is like, ex there's a movement of energy in my body and, you know, that feels like other, you know, sound that feels like sound or like whatever. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't part of that expression, but it feels like a thing. And the same feeling I've had when I've done like other things that involve the movement of energy in the body. And even if you go to an Eastern tradition, like movement through energy centers in the body. And I found that was really interesting just from the physical experience, the similarity of the feeling of movement of energy and worship through tongues. And I just, like maybe that's I'm telling you it was woo woo. Maybe this is a conversation for Beth and me. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like not weird but enough. But I just I'm curious. Like if I don't know, maybe I don't really know what the question is, and I maybe I just want to talk about that. But uh, have you had anything similar? Would you? Is there a way that you experienced it physically in your body? Well, uh, you could put words to. I don't know. I guess what I would start out by saying is it's one thing here's something that I've struggled with a little bit is how much to share because <laughs> if like, if obviously I don't have that problem, sorry. If that was well, TMI. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. You mean but, publicly? Yes. More. Oh, okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> because here's the thing. Like if I expressed 
well, I don't, I, I know you just used it, but we'll use the word woo woo or whatever, just because we all know what it's talking about. Yeah. But yeah. if I expressed my woo woo-ness, <laughs> people would leave, would not come back to neighborhood. Like, or I'll like, <laughs> a lot of us would stay and our friends would come. <laughs> yes. And I'll sh- like, and I'll even send you people like that talk about more just like the energy side of things. That, yeah. Like that I think you would really really enjoy i mean like i just can't say i think we scratch the surface of so much of the human experience and like not as an unhealthy goal to experience for the sake of experience sake but part of my life is to like what is available and like it's and I know that this is just a generic some people would call this just a generic blanket statement when you just say like all of it but throw it under the blanket of because God created it you know but that's literally what I think and so like you know whether it's I don't know if you know like and and of course not all of it it's a bit like you know even just healing altering your physiology through breath and energy work yeah. is such a gift that God has given to us that we yeah. have completely disregarded. And so like, and so we could talk a lot about that kind of stuff, but going back to your uh, original question, here's this super, super short answer. So I was probably about, um, well, I don't remember what I, but I grew up in a tongue speaking church and it was in probably similar experience to a lot of people where it was almost like this weird pressure of like, what's yeah. your level of spirituality? And I couldn't do it. And I, you know, I'd go to the altar sometimes, but I never experienced it. And I just, I was so like jaded by the whole thing and just kind of like, whatever, you know, it didn't make me mad at God, but I was really like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was very frustrated. And so I gave up, I literally just gave up with that. And it was probably, you know, I don't know if it was that night or the, within the next few nights of me giving up, I had this dream that I spoke in tongues and like in one of the most real dreamlike experiences I've ever had, I woke up and I could speak in tongues Hmm. and I, or I was praying in tongues. And so it was just this idea of, of like completely giving up the control of it and just letting the spirit do what the spirit wants to communicate in and through me. And, and so just jump from that initial experience to like just about every night I will at night I'll go out part of my practice whatever you want to call it is you know even through winter just barefoot grounding breathing and then and 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 then after I do the breath stuff which I usually do I don't I'm sure you know Wim Hof yeah I've just started to learn about that yeah I do I do his practice um mostly and then after that it's usually I, I like I'll spend time um, and it's almost like a not to sound stupid, but like a little bit of kind of like a mantra then like and I pray in tongues and that's mm-hmm. um, and to me, it that's really um, beautiful. Like, what you described is kind of my experience to some degree, because I think that like when it says, you know, like all of creation moans, you know, that's it's like the spirit communicating through all things back yeah. unto God. And yeah. so it's like, it's a grown the very rock for words. Cry out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, the, I mean, 
a, a couple things I would just say is like, I understand your question. I understand kind of like, what is this? But then I would also say, don't dismiss it because it is the spirit of God speaking yeah. in and through you in ways that you can't yet articulate. And that is, and in, and that's a very transformative thing to be going on because it is like this, the most genuine form of communication that you can experience, I think, is yeah. in the most healing and the most transformative way to communicate is for the spirit itself to be speaking in and through you with words that you can't yet understand. And I feel like for me, um, because I did not come out of that background of like any of that. Um, and I don't even know if what I experienced through that kind of like wordless, uh, prayer is what other people would call tongues, but it's tongues ish for me. <laughs> like whatever <laughs> is my thing. But when I was doing a Kundalini yoga class, it has to do with the idea of drawing energy up to the center line of your body is like mm -hmm. that welling up of energy is the thing, same physical experience that I experience when I do my Sarah's version of, of tongues light or whatever, you know, praying. And so I think that was where my curiosity was, was like, whoa, like, you know, this experience in this completely other place had the same physical experience as this type of prayer does in my body. And that's curious, you know, um, yeah. and, and also that I've had so many experiences of through like energy work kind of things that were real, like there was a real thing happening there. And again the idea of containers for so long i had had no container to understand what i knew was truly happening in those moments because the christian experience did not allow for there all those divides and labels did not and what you said earlier that like what's under the blanket or whatever what god has created um is good but sorry now i'm kind of all over but i just have often um had these experiences that I know are not, I didn't, I wasn't like, you know, psychosomatic or something. Um, and there was just not a category for it. And then the particular one that I had in this one moment closely aligned to how I would, how I feel when I am like praying in that kind of way. So I thought that was interesting. I know this is a major tangent and we probably should go. It's been really long, but um, no, yeah, I, I, I think it's important. About that. I think everything that you're saying is important and, uh, and, and, I, and right in line. I mean, Richard Rohr, when he founded uh, the New Jerusalem place in, in Cincinnati, it was a charismatic movement. It was uh, oh, interesting. And, and Rohr still speaks in tongues and the way he articulates it. So, so growing up, exactly what Steve is saying, they, they explain it as like this heavenly language and it has to be kind of, Lot done, of pressure, right? Done into mm -hmm. you, and uh, and and you have to get your. It has to happen in you, or whatever. Which is weird because, as like with Paul, you know, his uh, that one part where he talks about like speaking through, you know, with groans through whatever words. Can someone help me here? <laughs> groans too deep for words. <laughs> that words cannot express, or something like right. that. You know, your spirit speaks to God. Like that feels so personal, and yeah. not like. But I guess there's other times where tongues are meant for the edification of the congregation or whatever. So yeah. But, yeah. But the way... Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. You're fine. working over time. The, the way Roar explains it is he says, I, I, le I learned how to speak 
in tongues. And I, I have integrated that prayer practice into my own practice or whatever. And I really liked that because it kind of comes in the side door. You don't have to, Mm -hmm. it, it explains it as a, it almost is like a mantra, you know? And I guess in that world, you don't tell people what your mantra is. And it's this kind of thing that's just yours and it's a personal thing. And that's, that's what tongues largely is. Um, for me, it's just, it's, it's the most intimate way of expressing but yeah. yourself back to God. The other the other part of it is, and uh, I read this book in college, uh, or at least enough of it to be able to write a paper on it. But uh, Harvey Cox is this Harvard professor guy. He wrote wrote a book called Fire from Heaven. It was about Pentecostalism. But in one of the chapters, he he um he correlates or likens uh, tongue speech, what we call like the official thing is glossolalia, whatever. He, mm-hmm. uh, he likens it to jazz improvisation and, oh, that's interesting. and so I think like an art form. Yes. <laughs> I, I really think when you talk about getting out of the way of your work and letting the movement lead you into whatever the art you're yeah. going to make is, um, or, or jazz improvisation or, or things like that are kind of blank canvas, let your hands move kind of thing. I think all of that is tongues. I think that is the yeah, kind of like so interesting. brain yeah. off. Um, it's flow. Let, yeah. let it happen in you and through you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. I know we have to go, but I want to tell, share this one thing. And I was hoping to share it in the podcast, but it didn't kind of come up. But I found those quotes, the Madeline Lingo quotes I was talking about, and they really reflect to what you just said. So let me just give this one last thought and then we need to go. Um, Steve will do a, a on being uh, edited and unedited version. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, okay. Uh, if, if the work of the artist, I'm oh, sorry. If the work comes to the artist and says, "Here I am, serve me," then the job of the artist, great or small, is to serve. The amount of the artist's talent is not what is about. Jean Rise, R H Y S, Rise, Rise said to an interviewer in the Paris Review, listen to me, all of writing is a huge lake. There are great rivers that feed the lake, like Tolstoy or Dostoevsky, and there are mere trickles, like Jean Rise. All that matters is feeding the lake. I don't matter. The lake matters. You must keep feeding the lake. And then another part, she says, "Um, I have never served a work as it ought to be served. My little trickle adds hardly a drop of water to the lake, and yet it doesn't matter. There is no trickle too small. Over the years, I have come to recognize that the work often knows more than I do, which that just gives me chills. And with each book I start, I have hopes that I may be helped to serve it a little more fully. The great artists, the rivers and tributaries collaborate with the work. But for most of us, it is our greatest privilege to be a servant. Like, I literally have tears in my eyes. That means so much to me. It's precious. Why don't you Why don't you read that in a way that Joseph could just start with that, like, you know, just post that as a quote or something? Oh, I love it. I think it's so beautiful. Yeah, let's do that. And for the unedited version, people get to hear it again. <laughs> Please don't have an unedited version. Um, do you want me to read that whole bit or just the last part that she said about the, um, well, I guess. It, I think no the whole thing is great. Drop of water. Yeah. How would you pronounce uh, his name? Just pick something. Know. Nobody else knows. Rise, raise, R H Y S. I would say rise and do it with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and lingual, right? Not lingual, lingual. I think so, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, 
Alright, well I can do it again if you want me to. Alright, you ready? Yep. Okay, this is a favorite quote of mine um, from Walking on Water by Madeline Lingle. If the work comes to the artist and says, here I am, serve me, then the job of the artist, great or small, is to serve. The amount of the artist's talent is not what it is about. Jean Reyes said to an interviewer in the Paris Review, listen to me, all of writing is a huge lake. There are great rivers that feed the lake like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, and there are mere trickles like Jean Reyes. All that matters is feeding the lake. I don't matter. The lake matters. You must keep feeding the lake. And then she also says, I have never served a work as it ought to be served. My little trickle adds hardly a drop of water to the lake, and yet it doesn't matter. There is no trickle too small. Over the years, I have come to recognize that the work often knows more than I do. And with each book I start, I have hopes that I may be helped to serve it a little more fully. The great artists, the rivers and tributaries collaborate with the work, but for most of us, is our greatest privilege to be its servant. Amen. Let's <laughs> let's end with that. That's so good. Yeah, I thought that was really, really good, and I, I, uh, I'm excited about being able to publish this one. Cool. Wonderful. Cut out all the stuff where I don't sound smart, okay? Okay, I will. I will. I do the same. That's the last thing I say to him every time. Yes. I'll do the same thing that I do. Uh, I will edit unto you as I edit unto me. That's how. There you go. Uh, the I. That's awesome. I I left Steve in. Uh, let, Steve got mad at me last week because he said he said he started and sounded like the lowest energy version of himself. So, yeah, so I didn't know he was recording, and I was had I was reading through some stuff in preparation for the what we were going to talk about, and I was answering his questions. I just thought he was talking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, that posted, and it sounded like I was um, on my last leg. <laughs> Well, we often love it when you guys are laughing with each other. So know that we enjoy like your personalities too. So we, <laughs> then you might that. like the unedited version. <laughs> we probably would. Yeah. All right. Well, love right. everybody. See you later. Yeah, All right. you guys too. Thank you so love much. You. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye.